Hey folks, good evening. Welcome to Fam's and Monsters Personal Reports, where I narrate and discuss some of the cryptid and unexplained sightings and encounters submitted to Phantoms and Monsters. I occasionally will detail current and past investigations as well, so thanks for joining me. Now, uh, the Phantoms and Monsters radio channel is made possible by you clicking the subscribe button and by you sharing our programming. Uh, also, you know, to like and to also comment. Uh, super chat and super thanks donations are appreciated. And there's a buy me a coffee link or banner right there below as well. So uh, thanks for your consideration. So uh, this first story is a little weird. But, um, you know, I've, and I've actually I've had a lot of people commenting after I posted this thing. Uh, a German immigrant who was working in Ontario, Canada over the Christmas holidays back in 2018 when you know when he had a weird encounter he shared it with uh, a podcast which i don't even know is still in the air anymore who confirmed that there indeed was a road closure in in the very place uh, at the same time period where uh, this this german immigrant indicated the accident happened so he writes what i'm about to tell you is absolutely true my name is matt I'm a 21-year-old guy from Germany, and I was taking a working holiday in Canada. This was always a dream for me to explore and experience this large and beautiful country. It was really a pleasure for me. I arrived here in August and had the best time of my life until a certain Wednesday. But now it's turning, but then it turned into an absolute nightmare. I always loved driving late at night, especially on relatively remote roads. Now, that's why I chose to take Ontario 502 northbound from Fort Francis to Dryden that evening. It was December 19, 2018, around 11.40 p.m. on a long bent part of the road. Suddenly, a semi with its hazards flashing stood on the, was on the right side of the, the uh, road near a ditch. I stopped in front of the truck and got out to ask the driver if I could help him. I immediately noticed that the left part of its front was really heavily damaged. The headlight and grill were broken. The hood was pushed backward and smashed. A bit of the windshield and everything was covered in blood. Only then I realized there was a lot more blood on the road as well from what I could see in the dark with the small amount of light that came from my tail lights his intact right headlight, and his marker lights. I thought to myself, oh, God, he hit a bear. That was the first thought uh, from the amount of damage I could see. I walked up to the driver's side door and knocked a few times. He didn't answer. At first, I thought perhaps he was going to get some help, but then I reflected that we were in the middle of nowhere, and Dryden is about 50 kilometers away and that he'd more likely use his cell phone or CB to call for help. I knocked again and no response. Then I opened the door. He was huddled back in the cabin. He was shaking. His skin was pale like a dead person's, and he looked like he had so much fear and shock as if he'd seen the devil in person. Can I help you? Looks like you had a really serious accident here. Are you injured? I asked him. No response. Hello, are you all right, sir? He said, I'm not sure. He mumbled. Does anything does anything hurt? No, but I, I hit it. I said, I see that. I don't think 
that the bear is still alive, to be honest. It wasn't a bear, he responded, with so much fear in his voice. I got confused. Are there elk in this part of Ontario? I'm not a native, so that was the first of what I thought. It's okay, you're in shock. Take a breath. Did you call? He didn't even react. I let him alone his rig and he got and got to my van to get my cell phone. I was glad that I even received service in that part of the province. I told the operator what happened and she assured me that she was sending an officer and an ambulance to the scene. She asked me which operator the truck was driving. I couldn't give her an answer, but she said that there would be roadside assistance coming as well. I then hung up and went to the semi-driver to tell him that I called, I called for help. The only thing he did was nod. So I got my flashlight out of the car and searched for the dead animal. I was still convinced that he had hit a bear because I was very curious about what he really hit and determined to tell him that it was a bear. The blood was spread all over the road. I could see where the, the bear was flinching too. Then I saw its body. Holy crap. That is indeed a very large bear, I thought to myself. The creature was approximately 2.8 meters in height. The head was partially decapitated, and its face wasn't like anything I'd ever seen before. It was like I was looking at a gorilla human-type face. It was so unreal. The teeth looked like they you'd see on a great white shark. Its eyes were partly closed, but it was like you could see the pupils glow underneath. They weren't really glowing, but it was the best way I could describe it. It was some ape-human hybrid. Do you know when you really get uncomfortable all of a sudden? That's when I was, that's what I was feeling then. I didn't believe in Bigfoot before, but I watched something about a few years ago on Monster Quest. I couldn't believe what I saw, but I knew exactly what I was looking at. I never thought that I'd experienced something like this in my entire life. This can't be real. Where's the hidden camera? I hoped there would be a TV crew coming out of the woods to admit their hoax, but there was no TV crew. There I was alone with the truck driver in this thing. So I went back to my car, and I, th I threw up on the road and sat in the driver's seat. I think it must have been the trance, and then in the distance, I saw the emergency lights flickering. It was a police officer, or OPP, which is Ontario Provincial Police Patrolman. I can't recall it anymore. He asked me what happened, and I told him exactly what I'm telling you. At first, he was very suspicious about my story, but he knew that he knew, but I knew that he knew I was speaking the truth. He went back to his patrol car and radioed something in, then went to the trucker. In the distance, I saw more headlights, and the whole crew from the fire department and another police car showed up. Now, the police officer was directing the men at the fire department to the to the rig like he wanted them to only take care of the broken semi and its driver. He then talked to the other officer, and I could see that he went pale immediately. The second the first officer ended his sentence, I was absolutely sure about the fact they both knew that these creatures existed and that they have like a plan or what to do or and not to doing cases like this because none of them went to the place where I told the first officer where the body of the creature was located. 
The second officer came up to me and told me that I had to follow him to the police department for a full report. So I drove behind him to Dryden. At the time, we drove up to the city, maybe over 40 kilometers. A convoy of dark vehicles passed us at high speed to the scene where we were coming from. The junction on Ontario 502 and Ontario 594 was blocked, and no car was allowed to drive onto Ontario 502 southbound. Arriving at the police station, the officer took me to the interrogation room and offered me something to drink. I had to wait until somebody arrives to interview me, and I had to give away my phone and personal belongings first. I refused because I didn't understand why, but his voice got very specific, and I handed over my things. After what felt like an eternity, a man in a suit came into the room. He looked very odd, a bit like an ill person because of his gray-skinned, bald head and sort of sunken cheeks. He had a thick Quebec accent and spoke gently and calmly without any expression at all. I had to recall the details of what I experienced, all my personal information, and the purpose of my journey to Canada. And he took fingerprints of me and even a sample of my saliva. I felt like a criminal. So ashamed and uncomfortable, like I'd done something horrible. Then I had to sign a document, like a non-disclosure agreement, but there weren't any coat of arms, banners, or stamps on it. Now, after that, he looked dead in my eyes and asked if I'd seen what I had seen. I said, yes. His tone got really stern. And he asked me again, and I know that I had to decline his question. After that, he explained to me, that they will know everything I do. It's crazy that they're so open about it. He then left the room. Now, shortly after that, a female officer came in and gave me back my personal belongings and explained to me that when they checked my immigration information, the system informed them that I have to leave Canada by January. Better a command that I must take a direct flight to Germany. My current ETA got declined and I can't apply for any future ETA and even my ETSTA as well. I can't believe it. Only because I've seen this thing, I can't travel to North America for the rest of my life. And that includes the United States. I am now on a blacklist like a terrorist. When I turned on my phone, it sent me to the first instruction screen like it was the first time I, I took it out of the box. The same with my laptop. So these people erased everything on my electronic devices to be sure that there isn't any information going public. All of my pictures were gone. They even placed all the things in my van upside down like they were searching for evidence. Now, I'm really sure I'm being taped right now, and I'm lucky I, I could write my story about this until now. Uh, to be honest, I'm currently here in this disgusting ANW here in Marathon, and I will drive back to Toronto. Now, I really don't know what to do from now on. I have to sell this van, cancel my insurance, and get on a flight back home in only six days, and New Year's Eve is between all of this. Please wish me all your luck. The truth must be spoken. I won't be intimidated by anyone, but I also won't risk my own life. Well, that's the encounter. Now, <laughs> you know, I have heard similar things before, and for whatever reason, some of these come out of Canada as well. Now, of course, 
when I had my encounter back in 81, you know, the feds and the locals all showed up and, uh, but I, you know, of course I wasn't asking any questions or anything. So, um, you know, I just acted nonchalant, like, you know, I'm, I have nothing to, I don't know anything about it. So, um, now Vincent asked, have you heard of other men in black showing up with Sasquatch cryptid sightings? <sighs> yeah, there was one out in British Columbia not long ago where the guy actually ended up dead. I don't, I don't know who he encountered. He seemed to think it was Mounties. Uh, I don't think there was any men in black, but uh, there was something going on there. So, uh, yeah, but as far as anything in the United States, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I, I just really had no idea what had happened. So, um, you know, it's a strange story, but I think these things do happen. Um, for whatever reason, the powers that be want to know about Bigfoot. And whatever they find out or whatever somebody discloses, you know, they want to keep it between them. So, uh, you know, when I get stuff like this, I'll put it out there. But, you know, it's pretty strange. So, anyway, this is a this is a story that broke about six months ago. Uh, maybe you all know about the, um, the supposed Amarillo Zoo werewolf. Vincent will put a picture up. Um, so, anyway, a zookeeper at the Amarillo Zoo posts an anonymous report and description about the werewolf captured on security cameras. He verifies the event and subsequent incidents. Now, um, you know, I'm going to go through this. I, it, it's kind of, some of it is kind of hard to believe, but in a way, there's some validation there, I believe. So, uh, you know, listen to it and tell me what you think. Now, before we get started, I'm writing this on a burner account for anonymity. I could get into some real trouble for doing this since I'm revealing information that only the Amarillo Zoo management really knows. Before we get hired, most of us sign a DNA. It's standard stuff, but it means if anybody finds out who wrote it, this could be there could be some serious legal trouble. I attempted to post this on 4chan, but it was largely ignored or told me I was a liar. Maybe you guys will hear me out, though. Even if you don't, I need to get this out of my mind. So about that photo. It's a photo from a security camera footage at the zoo, as you probably already know. The city finally released it to the public on Twitter because, long story short, they're frightened. We all are. I've never believed in supernatural cryptozoology, seeing as I've been working with and studying real animals for most of my life. But I don't have words for what we've experienced lately. I'm genuinely incapable of explaining it. Science doesn't touch events like this, and I'm at a loss to explain explain it because the conclusions we've all come up, up with is that, you know, which I'll explain later. Anyway, all this started about two months ago, back in April 1st of this year. Uh, I was with a few other zookeepers doing the usual routine, cleaning up pens, feeding the animals and whatnot. It was something somewhat late at night after closing time, about 11 p.m. or so. I'm filling the feed in the exotic bird area when I notice two or three parrots are dead. This was obviously concerning to us as we all care a lot about the animals we care for. We aren't exactly flush with cash, 
And the Admiral Zoo, although popular, doesn't make a lot of money. Losing critters out of nowhere can be a real blow to revenue since it can cost a lot to replace animals. Anyways, I'm, I'm getting off track. The point is, birds are dead. Out of nowhere, might I add. It was only a few, it was only a few, sure, but it, they kept dropping off like, you know, it'd be bad news. So I let the other zookeepers know about it, and we decided to search the cage. Perhaps some snot-nosed kid had fed the bird something poisonous, or maybe there was an illness or virus spreading among the birds. This was nothing too big, so when we let management know about it the next day, they largely shrugged it off. We sent the carcasses to the vet to get them tested anyways, to see what killed them. Well, the test at the vet's office did not turn anything, did not turn anything up, uh, like at all. No poison, no evidence of illness, not so much as a feather out of place. They had just dropped dead. It was weird, but we sort of forgot about it. So a few weeks later, we find more animals dead. We find three goats, largely in the same manner as the birds. We get them tested, too, because clearly this was not something random. Management catches wind of this, so we start beefing up security and keep an eye on the visitors. We start making more announcements to not feed the animals, etc. You guys might not know this, but zookeepers have a pretty demanding schedule. It can vary by zoo, but many of us sleep in bunks at the zoo so that we can take care of the animals 24-7. You know, in case a lion or chimp breaks out and we need to make, you know, some type of, you know, it's tragic. You know, we, you know, we had to go after them. Uh, we tend to rotate in schedules so each of us gets the chance to sleep at home a few days a week. So in addition to the other stuff, we start taking turns watching the security footage at night. The deaths don't stop happening, though, and we aren't seeing anything at night. In early May, we noticed a few of the sheep in our petting zoo section missing. They just straight up vanished. It was very frustrating. By this point, we started getting the police involved. We call them up and tell them what's been happening. They say they'll leave an officer around along with our security to watch things at night until the weird stuff stops happening. And we zookeepers start really watching our security cameras as well. Whatever was happening, it was probably some crafty creep who got kick out of killing animals. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Got your happy price, price line. For fun, I and my colleagues were getting pissed off. The animals were clearly stressed, and a few of them stopped eating regularly. We hated the thought of someone trying to hurt innocent animals for fun. Well, then the really scary stuff starts happening. We get up in the morning and find the sheep that are missing, or what was left of them. Their skins were all found strewn about in the sidewalk near the zoo's entrance. We knew it was our sheep because the ID tags were included with the fur. Police say that they didn't see anything the night before. Security says the same thing. We're all baffled. We managed to get all cleared up before the zoo opens. We decide to keep the strange happenings under wrap 
as to not alert the individuals doing this. We don't want them to know we're on to them. So a full day passes without incident. We had a normal day the next day too, when at night I heard a bunch of shouting. It was around 2, 2 a.m. and the security guard is running for his life. He's shouting for the cops and is shaking all over. Says it was covered in fur. The police have him show them, you know, where it is at. And, you know, when all we get there, there's nothing. We checked the security footage and all we managed to capture is some movement in the darkness in the lion's area. The security guard is crying and saying it was a werewolf. We laugh him out of the room. We kept He kept insisting it was a werewolf. Like something out of Harry Potter, he says. We laugh at him. For sure, at this point, it was probably some coyote that managed to find its way into the zoo at night. Sheepskin was weird, but maybe the thing had been eating the carcasses nearby in the wooded area by the zoo. It's called Thompson Memorial Park. It's small, but it could hide a coyote or two. But the innocents don't stop. We start finding organs in the enclosures just out of nowhere. And they weren't random. Intestines in the shape of a heart on the floor of the porcupine exhibit. Two sheep eyeballs in the holes of our wooden fences. We had been watching the cameras and we couldn't really see anything except for quick flashes of white from time to time. The animals were still acting strange. Normally friendly animals suddenly just stay in their sleeping areas even when fed. We were really freaking out at this point. The police started sending more officers to patrol the zoo at night. But it all accumulated on May 21st. It was 3 a.m., the usual night. It was quiet out, and I was watching the cameras with a security guard. We were looking at one of the outside camera areas when we noticed it. Now, the photo that Vincent has up, above captures exactly what we saw. I was stunned when I first saw it. At first, it sort of reminded me of that clown who was walking around during the 2021 Capitol riots in DC. Some guy wearing a coyote pelt on his body, but it, it wasn't right. His limbs were strange animalistic and yet very strangely human. Not only that, but I don't know if any of you have noticed it, it was holding some kind of stick it was doing this weird freezing jerking motion. It would pace and then freeze. It would stay perfectly still, then it would jitter about and start pacing again. We phoned the police obviously and they say there's and say there's an intruder on, on the fence that it might be our guy. Well, three or four officers go right toward the fence. I'm out there since I wanted to see this individual get arrested. The police decide to split up and they point their guns at it. They start yelling at it to stop right where it's, it is and not to move and that it was under arrest. The thing starts heaving. The security footage uses night vision, so it may seem like we could see it easily, but in real life, it was pitch black out. They get the flashlights out and point them at this thing. It's the scariest thing I've ever seen in my life. Eyes totally devoid of color, just milky white like some kind of demon, sharp teeth, I begin to wonder if the security guy was right after all. Maybe it was some kind of sort of werewolf. But I've had time to think about it, and the moon wasn't full that day or night. It sounds childish and dumb, but 
when you've seen something so unexplained, you start grasping for straws trying to figure it out. So the thing is making this jittery movement, and it starts to make a rattling sound. Sort of like when you hear sprinklers go off in your yard. The thing is furry, and the police start yelling louder because it's moving toward the officers on the other side of the fence. It starts screaming, and it was the most god-awful sound, like blowing a puppy alive. The officers are terrified, like we were as well, and that they start shooting at it. I've never seen anything like it. Thinking about it now makes me want to cry. Like, seriously, it took five shots dead center in the chest and to the head, and it didn't even flinch. The officers see this and shoot at it more, but it just takes it without much as much as a flinch, still screaming, but louder now. It suddenly goes, moves lightning fast and is on the other side of the fence. I gasped and started running. I could hear its screams in the rattling. The officers realize that their guns are useless against this thing and they start backing away. We all start booking it back to the zookeeper's bunk area. We sat there in that room and the officers called for backup. Meanwhile, the thing was jerking its way around the enclosure and making its way around the zoo. We waited in the security camera room, watching the security cameras, waiting for other police to come. We watched this thing walk in the zoo like it's nothing, jittering around in its weird way. We can hear it screaming to some extent still. Suddenly, we watch this thing vanish. I can't really describe it. It was there, and then it wasn't. The backup arrives, and they search the park. Officers take their stories. They find nothing in the zoo. They check the footage again. We have it on camera. We didn't have good footage of it inside the zoo, but the footage outside the fence is clearly crystal clear. We're all freaked out. I didn't sleep a wink that night. We start debating as to what, you know, what this thing was. And, you know, you know, we're trying to pass time as well. It is all we can talk about when we get to work. We wonder if it was really a werewolf. I agree that werewolf is a bad explanation. We start wondering if it's an alien, a demon, or something else. One of our colleagues, though, said he knows what it is. Says he heard stories about things like it when he was growing up in Arizona. He mentions what he thinks it is, and I realize I've actually heard this thing before. Given everything we had seen, it makes a lot of sense. and matches up with everything. I'm gonna say what it is here. If the legends I've heard are true and believe that they're 100% true now, it's bad mojo to even talk about it. It's dark and evil and the Navajo take it very seriously. If you still can't figure out what I'm talking about, Google Navajo and scary stories. That'll bring it up as, you know, what you need to know. All I need to know is that one of those things is stalking the zoo. The footage is remarkable. It made it to the mayor's office. It has had the police department totally stumped. It has had the entire city spooked. They've been looking at the footage over and over again, trying to come up with a rational explanation. They can't. That's why the city of Amarillo tweeted out the footage. A lot of people have taken this all as a joke, but I assure you, none of us are laughing. We are all terrified. The whole world knows now. The only good news about all of this is that the weird stuff stopped happening. We all hear rattling at night, though we're walking around the zoo. You might have noticed the zoo put out a statement saying no animals had died. That's technically true, but only because we had listed the earlier deaths as natural. 
That was before we realized they weren't. Now, I'm typing all this right now on little sleep. I haven't been able to sleep well since I've seen this thing's eyes. I finally had a day or two off from zoo duty. So I'm at home typing this. I'm using a VPN, so hopefully nobody can trace this back to me. But maybe I suppose I shouldn't mind if I get fired. Truth is, at this point, I'm not sure I want to go back. So that's quite that's quite a tale. I can't verify it, but I tell you, um, I talked to a couple people about it, and uh, I actually talked to a couple people who have worked in zoos. I have a friend that actually works down the Maryland Zoo down in Baltimore, and he was kind of surprised about it. He said, you know, a lot of what he described could actually have happened. Um, he said, occasionally we get some weird stuff that we just can't explain either. Now, I'm not saying he's not saying there's a werewolves or something out in the Maryland zoo, but he said, strange things happened. So, you know, take that for what it's worth. And if you got questions about it, I'll, I'll answer it at the end of the show. So this other this other account, this is another strange, but I heard about this a long time ago. But I didn't necessarily have the explanation, but I did find out about it recently, and um, that's what I'm going to talk about. It's when the Soviet Russian Navy divers encountered a 10-foot-tall aquatic humanoid wearing skin-tight bodysuits and jellyfish-like helmets during a 1982 diving exercise in Lake Baikal. Now, Lake Baikal is located in northeastern Russia in Siberia. It's the deepest lake on Earth, and it's the deepest depth of 1.6 miles. It covers about 31,000 square kilometers, or uh, 12,500 square miles, approximately the state size of the state of Maryland or Belgium. It holds 6,000 cubic miles of water, or 23 cubic kilometers. It's the largest freshwater lake on Earth, holding one-fifth of the freshwater on the planet. Now, saying that, the encounter between the seven Soviet Russian Navy divers and the humanoids occurred in 1982 while diving during a training exercise in the winter. Now, at the time, there was a 5 to 10 meter thick ice sheet at a depth of about 50 meters. Above entering the water, they soon realized that they were being watched and observed something approaching them. From the distance were the illuminated creatures, and as they approached and got closer, they looked to be humanoid in shape only. But these beings were much larger than humans at about 10 foot or 3 meters in height. There were several of them. Now, the Russian divers froze at first, figuratively speaking, as they observed these creatures. They were wearing what looked like skin-tight bodysuits that were silver, shiny silver gray or light bluish in color. Over their heads, they had what looked like a helmet made of jellyfish or something similar because it was flexible, but seemed to be, maintain an unbreakable bubble of air inside it. There was no oxygen tank, no pipes or wires, just a skin-tight suit and a jellyfish-like helmet. Clearly, this was technology unknown to man, and it, it did an admirable job of sustaining these creatures against the cold, enabling them the freedom of movement with no risk of water leaks and uh, plenty of oxygen. So um, the Russian divers radioed to the surface describing what they were encountering. 
They received an order to try to capture one of these creatures and to bring it to the surface. So according to the divers, as they moved in unison towards one of these creatures, with a net and a rope, a wave or sonar frequency explosion occurred. And the seven Russian divers were thrust, thrust upwards through the ice and onto the surface. Because of the rapid ascent and the ice, they suffered injuries from the bends and compression sickness that can be deadly, let alone the injuries of hitting the ice. It was reported that three of the divers died, and the other four were saved inside a compression chamber. After remaining in critical condition for several days, they all suffered long-term disabilities as a result of the incident. Now, the images that Vince is putting up were created by Discovery Plus and are based on descriptions given by the surviving divers and who confirm that these interpretations closely resemble what they actually saw. The accounts of their experience were long held as classified secret of the Soviet Army. The details were later leaked to a professor of Vladimir Asasha, a former Soviet naval officer and a known Soviet ufologist who first documented the story in a book titled Russia's USO Secrets. He was, he was told about the incident by a diving trainer, Mark Steinberg, and an unnamed former Soviet senior officer in charge of the diving team at the time of the incident. So, you know, and I was telling Vincent earlier, the Soviets had a lot of weird stuff that they were keeping secret. They weren't, you know, nobody out in the Western world was getting any of this information. And of course, when the Soviet Union fell and uh, the KGB, you know, kind of went under and, you know, some of the security was lessened, then a lot of things got released. Um, you know, I was talking about it. Albert Rosales, he got a lot of stuff from some of these Soviet ufologists. Uh, he had had connections anyway before, before the Soviet Union fell. So if you go and look at his, um, his uh, uh, database, you might find some very interesting events that happened in Soviet Russia. I don't know if he has this story, and I got this from somebody else. I got it from somebody who had actually got looked at the actual documentation. So... Who knows? Uh, it, it's pretty weird. But, um, you know, we talk about a lot of humanoid-like beings. And you know, what's the difference of this one? So anyway. Now, this is another humanoid story. And this is interesting because uh, this was sent directly to me. An unnamed humanoid was recently photographed in a tree while feeding on a live canine at San Timoteo Canyon in the Redlands, California. What is this creature? So I received the following report one morning about two weeks ago. Uh, and the witness stated that this photo was taken last week, fourth week of November, 2022. This thing was in San Timoteo Canyon in Redlands, California. We could hear the dog, possibly coyote, it was feeding on screaming in pain until it was dead. We could hear the bones crunching, and the hair was standing up on the back of my neck. I immediately ran to the vehicle and locked the door, but my friend used his phone to take a photo with a flash to see what this awful noise was. Now, this is the photo I took, and Vincent puts it up there. He proceeded to attempt to shoot this thing, but it hissed at him, and he appears to jump or fly away. That canyon has always given me a very eerie feeling 
We asked some locals, but no one wanted to talk about it. A few said that they just keep the doors and windows locked. Uh, please let me know what you think. Now, San Timoteo uh, Canyon is a river valley canyon in the southeast of Redlands and far northwestern foothills of the San Jacinto Mountains and the Inland Empire region of Southern Cal. Now, I can only recall, and I did look, I can only recall one other incident reported me from the area. Uh, specifically, it was a pale crawler humanoid was seen roaming through the underbrush. Uh, is this what was seen? I don't know. It's similar to what some people have described as trolls, but even though that's only a very general term. So what are your thoughts on it? You know, I had somebody contact me, and I don't know how true this is. Somebody contacted me and said they had seen this photo before, but they couldn't come up with it. And they never gave me any location as to where it was. I don't know if it was somebody trying to pull the wool or mines or not. I think this person actually took this. Maybe something very similar. But um, who knows? So anyway. Uh, Vincent, could this have been a Lacusa? Well, a Lacusa is an owl. Uh, I don't think this looks like an owl. I don't know. I mean, the Lacusa legend is in the area of the Rio Grande Valley in southern Texas. Uh, this was in California, so I don't think that's what it was. Uh, Don McDouglas asked, will you do another collab stream with Albert Rosales in the future? Sure. If I can get, I can get Albert to come on, I'll do it. I always like to get Albert, but you know, Albert's not that easy to get on sometimes. Uh, you know, since he retired, he's kind of doing his own thing, but you know, we did have him on a round table. I, and I think he's more comfortable in that, in that, um, environment. So, you know. We'll see. I mean, I'll, get, I'll I'll try to get him. Any other questions? That's what I'm here for, folks. Put them out there. Now, I think you got to agree. These were pretty weird stories. I our our, our reports. Um. And I, I I did try to check them out as best I could. But, uh, you know, these humanoids, these humanoid stories are pretty bizarre for the most part anyway. And this thing here, I had no idea what the hell this thing is. Uh, Vincent asked, what do you think was the beast in the, uh, in the lake between, in the, the land between the lakes? Um, I don't know. You know, people talk about uh, cryptic canines in that area they talk about bigfoot they talk about a lot of things i even had a i even had a, a humanoid type sighting there at one point that was driving a car you know, what the hell was that um i'll try to dig that up and, and put it one time but um i don't know uh lbl is, is is legendary for some of the weird stuff uh i've got some lbl stories and, and report, so maybe I'll pull all those up and, and do a show about LBL, so we'll see. Bernadette asks, how common are mer people stories? Not too common, but I get them. Um, most of the time it has to do with bigger lakes, but I've had some stories around the Black Sea. I've had some stories around the Caspian Sea. Um, we get 
we get a few down the, the Mediterranean. Maybe that'll be another show itself. Maybe I'll dig all those out. So, um, Nancy says, Lon, you do a great job collecting these reports, and who knows, there may be proof of them in the future. Well, that's exactly the reason why we do this. We, that's what we're hoping for. Maybe there will be some type of proof that comes forward. Um, you know, it's not like this stuff is going to be proved and we're going to stop. That's It's just the opposite. You know, if I start getting proof of things, I'm going to get out there and do more, so. Uh, Vincent said, ask, do you think aliens have bases underwater? You know, there's a lot of conjecture about that. You know, in, in Hollywood, it, it depicts these, this type of scenario. I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know necessarily bases. You know, of course, if you're familiar with David Eckhart, he believed that he was taken to an underwater base in the Bay of Pensacola at one point. Uh, I don't know. It could be. You hear a lot about USO stuff, but you don't hear a whole lot about um, bases. So, Lon, do you get reports of face sightings occasionally? I do. Um, Peter Hastel, Lon, give us your opinion on the LBL murders. Walk us through your thoughts and theories on. I don't think it happened. I, you know, if you're if we're talking about the same one, I think you're talking about. I don't think that occurred because there's really no decent proof of it. Um, you know, that's been bouncing around for years and years and has changed. Uh, when that story first came out, it was fairly innocuous, but it has been, uh, it has been embellished upon over time. I, if somebody has more evidence, I, I'd be glad to look at it. But at this point, I really can't say what actually happened. Uh, Karen Peterson asked, does the zoo have any camera footage of the image moving or just still frame? Oh, they got footage when I, I was told, but they haven't released it. Of course, the city has got that, you know, since they own the zoo, I think the city has that footage, but that hasn't been released. The only thing that has been released, from what I understand, is that's still taken from the, the footage. So that one right there. So um, that's that's all we know at this point. Well, folks, I want to thank you for coming and, li and listening to me tonight and answer your questions. Um, very much appreciate it. Again, please support the channel. You know, I, I you know if, if you can give a donation, it's great. Uh, like, share, you know, make comments. So, um, but anyway, if you, you have an unexplained encounter or sighting, feel free to contact me at Fams of Monsters blog site. Uh, and thanks for watching and chatting. You know, it's always great to have you all come on here. We have a great group that comes in, and we really appreciate it. So uh, please like, subscribe, and share, as I said before. Uh, so uh, tonight, after the show, at 11 p.m. Eastern, 10 p.m. Central, Vincent Richardson's V with his guest UFO researcher, Thomas Ferriaro. And uh, Ferrario, excuse me. I keep getting that wrong. Then this Friday night at 9 p.m. Eastern Time, 6 p.m. Pacific, we present an alien abduction roundtable with my guest researcher Preston Dennett, ufologist Lynn Wallington, and alien experiencer Donna Saffron. I mean Dolly Saffron. Then at 11 p.m. Eastern Time, 8 p.m. Pacific Time, 
on Friday. Uh, a Paranormal Life, Bernadette will be talking with paranormal author and storyteller Anna Maria Manalo. Lots of interesting guests and discussions coming your way. Now, I am going to make this a little early. Uh, in addition to this show, get ready for the Creepy Christmas Cheer Show with Vincent Bernadette and I, which we will host on Friday, December 23rd at 9 p.m. Eastern. There are sure to be a few surprises in store as well, so mark your calendar. We're going to have some guests. I'm not going to announce it yet. I will the, the week of the show, but that'll all be interesting because we're going to be we're going to be talking about creepy Christmas stories, and I've got a few, and others have a few, so you know, it, it might be worth recording some of that anyway. So until then, stay healthy and have a safe, enjoyable week. Good night.